yum nub. Eat out for yum nub. Hi, and welcome to Yubcast, your Star Wars cartoon podcast. My name is Matt, and would you like to buy some death sticks? <laughs> and my name is Jamie, and my disappointment in your performance cannot be overstated. I'm going to take that personally. <laughs> no, it's not you. I, I actually thought about using that quote, but I was just like, no, it's kind of too on the nose, and I'm, I'm not feeling, not feeling it. Whatever it is, one? yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, you you took a quote. You had a quote on my short list uh, a couple weeks ago, so I got a quote on your short list this week. Yeah, should definitely go through and just like mark like like what quotes that we've all used and what um, what characters we've used. Sure, I'll I'll get right on that. <laughs> okay. Uh, so normally in the beginning of our shows, we sort of. Um, talk about what we've done Star Wars that week, what books we've read or comics or if we've seen any movies or done anything fun Star Wars, but I thought this week we could do something slightly different and talk about um, a rumor slash announcement that came out today in the news, today being July 23rd um, 2021 if you're listening in the future and that is the rumor that Ezra and Thrawn have been cast as live-action actors. Whoa, swing. Um, so they, the rumor came with the actors' names. So I thought I could tell you the actors, and you could tell me what you think. Uh, okay. Is the um, all right? Just just hit me. So Ezra, the the actor, rumored, and this is basically a validated rumor that's playing Ezra is Mina Masood, who is the actor who played in the live act live-action Aladdin. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, the first picture that comes up of him is not good, but he's younger guy, so he can he can have funky hair, you know, whatever. Yeah, he's a he's an Egyptian national who's raised in Canada. This guy has been rumored in the past to be um, the on the shortlist for Ezra, and now there's like this validated rumor circulating. Maxi Big the Force, eh? Maxi Big, <laughs> um, you're going to lose it when I tell you who Thrawn is. Okay. It's Lars Mickelson, Mads Mickelson's brother. Yeah, he plays he plays him in the um, he does the voice uh, in, in Rebels, right? Is that true? Yeah. Oh no, you're right. He is. No, he does play Grand Admiral Thrawn in the um, Rebels. You're right. He's the voice actor. Um, so he's he's rumored to be cast for the live action as well. That's that's bananas. Because I'm just looking at him. He. He could do it. He's got a very well. It depends upon the picture that you're looking at. But if he's he's got a very angular face, you know, he could. I think he could very well pull off a throne. And you know, he's got the voice down. I guess we're thinking that these characters are going to show up in Ahsoka. Yeah. Since she since she asked about Thrawn in the Mandalorian episode, the Jedi. Oh man, this that's ex, that's exciting because if he's, I don't know if. I've seen him in anything other than like him in Rebels, but if he's any anywhere as good as his brother, uh, as far as acting, this is gonna be this is gonna be awesome. Yeah, he. Um, I was going through his IMDb, and he plays a lot of in a lot of foreign stuff. Um, but he was in Sherlock as the cabbie who kills people, and he's been in a couple other things that I've seen. But um, I was just excited. I was excited that it was Mads Mickelson's brother, who of course played Galen Erso and other things in Star Wars. 
that's one that's one announcement and the other announcement is that the high republic and they announced so the wave three of the um high republic books were announced and they're going to be released in january and they are the fallen star which is an adult novel by claudia gray and then eye of the storm which is a comic about martian Rowe, written by charles sewell oh man yeah oh man <laughs> Yeah, I'm super excited about that one. And then there's a middle-grade novel called Mission to Disaster by Justina Ireland. I love her. Mm -hmm. And then there is a book called Midnight Horizon, which is a young adult novel by um, Daniel Jose Older. And so we've got we got an announcement about four new pieces. And I am crazy excited about Claudia Gray writing a full-length book for the... Hi, Republic, and I'm super excited about this Martian Row comic. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like how? Like how? How long is the new? Or sorry, the High Republic gonna go? Because I mean, because they could milk this forever, but I, I assume that there there's a. It seems like there's a uh, plan. So they're very tight-lipped about it, but but what we're what we were told is that there's a phase one in a phase two and the phase one has three waves to it. And so these books in January is wave three of phase one. Okay. All right. And so we have a lot more coming, but they, they're pretty, they're pretty vague about the phases, but they've told us about the three waves in the past saying there's basically going to be three waves of books or three waves of content. And they released them in like chunks. And so this week coming up this week, there's, a book coming out called Into the Storm, which goes with Kevin Scott's book and the media that's being produced right now. And then presumably all of this is leading to Acolyte as well, mm -hmm. which I assume is a component of phase two, but I don't know the timing of that show that much. Mm -hmm. So a lot of good Star Wars news today. We got news about um, Lars Mikkelsen and Mina Masood, and then these four works that are coming to the High Republic stuff. And I think you and I are both huge, huge fans of Charles Soule's work, especially on Sith. When he's writing, when he's writing for a villain, it gets very good. Yeah, his work on Dar uh, Darth Vader, Dark Lord of the Sith, is unparalleled. It's just bananas good. I, I'm super excited. He also wrote Rise of Kylo Ren, which is one of my favorite comics, especially for a sequel-era comic. It's just incredible the amount of backstory we get for Luke's Jedi Temple, for what the Jedi were like um, in that period, and how Kylo Ren was manipulated by Snoke. I think it's all, like, that, that story should have come out before the movies, or should have been the movies. Yeah, no, I, I I had forgotten that he had done that one because I had really only read it once. Maybe I need to go back and read it again because yeah, it, that is really good and ex, you know kind of explains sort of you know the Knights of Ren, you know, and him becoming Kylo Ren and 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 what happened with all the other students and whatnot. Oh man, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to read and that. And Martian, like I think I think we might get some more Sith stuff if he's writing about Martian. Because who knows what his backstory is? I'm thinking that his race is like the like the true Sith race, or like he's going to be the same race of like Ochi Bastoon. Because oh, really? 
I think because he talks about they they say that he's got like uh, gray skin. They don't talk that much about him, but I'm 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 wondering if he is that you know that that race. That would be something. That would be crazy. I would love that. I would love I would love if they tied it to something like that, especially something like getting more information about Ochi. All right, so let's uh, start talking about the uh, show. Uh, we're going to be talking about Bad Batch Season 1, Episode 13, named Infested. It aired today, today being July 23rd, 2021. So do you want to go over, uh, you like, um, you do a lot more research on the on the um, the background of the episode of random sure. stars and writers? Sure. So um, today I only have one actor that I'm going to highlight and it's the actor who played played Roland, the a character we meet really early on in the show, and he's a Deveronian. And the actor who portrays him is a guy named Tom Taylorson. Um, Tom Taylorson needs his Wikipedia page updated, for one. But he was a voice actor on one episode of Star Wars Resistance, where he played an Imperial officer, or I guess a First Order officer, named Wraith, in the Relic Raider episode, which is a later episode where they go to a Sith temple to steal a an artifact i was to say i haven't finished it yet because i promised my son i'd watch it with them but just can't get excited about it i know we're, we're gonna watch it together soon probably probably in the next year because there were so few episodes but it it's grown on me the second watch for it was much better but anyway enough about resistance um, back to tom taylorson tom taylorson if you look in i looked into his background and he does video game voiceover He's been in a ton of video games. I'm not a gamer like you, Jamie, but um, he's been. In, he was a voice in Mass Effect, in Red Dead, Red Dead Redemption Two, and several other video games that were familiar to me, even as not a gamer, just brand name games mm-hmm. um, like Final Fantasy. Like he was a voice in one of the Final Fantasies, maybe fifteen. I don't know how many of those games there are. He he has a ton of oh, really great sh- video game credits. Shit. I just I was looking at his credits. There's a new Half-Life game coming out. You've got an Xbox. Shoot, I, I will buy this and send this to you. Half-Life 2. Okay. We're going to play games together? One of the, one, <laughs> it's not a multiplayer game, but it is incredible. And it, it, it's, it's like a game that just kind of like died on the... They needed uh, It needed a, like a, a, uh, a sequel, and they never really you know finished it, but it was such a great game. I'm, okay, I'm sorry. That's just like... Oh, wow. And there's a trailer. No, I'm like, okay, we got to hurry up and finish this episode so I can watch the trailer. <laughs> no, I like when you get excited about stuff. Um, yeah, so that's that's the character that I'm going to highlight, or the actor I'm going to highlight today. Tom Taylorson, he plays sort of the uh, antagonist in this episode a little bit. Um, but we'll get into how much of an antagonist he actually is. Um, but he's a has a really deep credit or video game voiceover acting. Um, so that being said, do you want to move on to the episode? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so I like to play the theme to um, Breaking Bad Batch. Um <laughs> Star Wars, bitch. <laughs> Star Wars, bitch. Um, obviously, obviously, that's not the theme I normally play, but uh, I really enjoyed the fact that this episode's about drug running, 
and couldn't get it out of my head. Uh, just real quick, I did look at Twitter today, and people are hating on this episode, and I'm not going to go there. We'll start the we'll start the recap now. So the uh, show opens up with the Bad Batch returning from an exciting-sounding mission. They were fighting Gundarks, doing like parachute dropping, all the stuff we didn't get to see. Um, but they return to the bar, which is full of these new masked security guards, and they're blocking access to Sid's office. Bar is pretty busy, and some pikes walk by. Hunter tries to get into Sid's office, is stopped, and ends up beating up a security guard. Going into the office, and there's a Deveronian sitting at the desk named Roland Durand. He's holding the reptile the Bad Batch rescued a few episodes ago. Yeah, Ruby. Ruby. It's a good callback. Yeah, I, I didn't catch it till the second time around that, like, oh, that's... Yeah, because she said that he's... Oh, getting ahead of myself. But yeah, watching it the second time, I realized, oh, yeah. Uh, since I'm talking one more thing, that I noticed that the... I got very, like, like, um, like Knights of the Old Republic, Mandalorian, slash, Star from uh, the Force Unleashed, if you choose, the dark side vibes from these guys in, in their armor. Yeah, I was sort of hoping you would dig in on this for me because I watched. I only got to watch it twice today because I just did not have enough of a break to do it. Um, and the second time I was watching it, I was like, the, these masks look crazy familiar. And I couldn't tell if they were supposed to be style, stylistically looking like the Pikes. Um, but I think the call for... Force Unleashed Galen Darkseid mask is pretty good. It, lo- it just looks so Star Warsy and familiar to me. Mm-hmm. It was bo- it was bothering me. It was like like what the hell are these guys' faces? What are they supposed to be a reference to? Because it feels it feels so familiar that it, I I assumed it was a reference to something that I just wasn't getting it. Yeah, yeah, I'm pr- I'm pretty sure that's what it is, but I can't you know I can't guarantee because like even like his. It has kind of a swoop in the back, and the the Galen Merrick uh, Star Killer mask that he wears for the dark side has kind of a, a swoop, in, you know, in the back. It's not just rounded. Well, that's as good as that's probably as good as we're gonna get. And I I love I love that character. So maybe that's why it was ringing such a, a huge bell in my mind. So Roland, so Hunter confronts Roland, and Roland tells him that this is his office, and Sid is out emphasizing the word out. He tells him that he owns the parlor now, and Ord Mantell is his territory. Then Roland offers the Bad Batch a job, or basically the ability to work with him. Hunter says that he'll think about it. Um, outside of the bar, Hunter immediately says they're leaving. I think he was probably not okay working with Sid, and he's definitely not okay working for whoever this scumbag is. Omega is worried about Sid, and says they should track her down and look for her, but the Bad Batch is not explicitly worried. They're sort of existentially okay with whatever happens to Sid. Um, but Sid is waiting for them at their ship and sort of catches them comically in this um, hemming and hawing. Very good character moment for Sid, in my opinion. Um, Sid gives them the backstory on Roland. He's a member of a crime family. It's pretty bad news. Some guy named Issa Durand is his father, some crime, crime lord. Um, Roland is hooking up with the Pikes. I think it's actually the mother. Issa is the mother. Yeah, I um I did some reading about uh, Deveronians, and they're a, they're a matriarch matriarchal say it um, society, and I'm pretty sure he specifies that it's her, his mother. Um, yeah, he mentions his mother later. Uh, I just looked it up on Wikipedia. Issa Durand is a female crime boss. You're right. Thank you. It is his mother. My bad. 
my bias is showing. I think <laughs> I think men are criminals, and I think women are not. Um, but Roland is hooking up with the Pikes, and he wants to run Spice for them. Wow, Deveronians are a matriarchal society? Yeah. That's crazy. What's the name of that huge Deveronian in Mandalorian? Berg. Berg. Wow, so behind that monster man is an even more powerful woman? Yeah. That's fun. <laughs> but yeah, I, I was reading about them. They're, like, they're kind of like Twi'leks in that they have there's distinct physiological differences between uh, men and women. Well, that's awesome. So Sid Sid wants the Bad Batch to help her get her bar back and get rid of Roland. The Bad Batch him and haw a little bit at this, and then she threatens them again with exposing them. Sid knows that Roland is doing a big spice deal out of her bar, and she suggests that the Bad Batch break into the bar and steal the spice. So Roland will be left empty-handed to the pikes and presumably end up dead for stiffing a bunch of drug dealers for drugs. Mm-hmm. Her plan, so the Bad Batch agree to this plan to steal the drugs, but her plan is that they have to do this surreptitiously so she's not exposed in the heist, which leads to her telling the Bad Batch about these old mining tunnels under the city that they can use to sort of sneak into her bar to steal the spice, which is stored in her one of her office rooms in the back of the bar. So they go down into these tunnels, and there are these mining carts that are sort of like gondolas, I guess. They're like the they're hanging hanging from the track rather than sitting on a track. Um, is that clear? Like a gondola? Is that the word yeah. for those things? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like or like a uh, or like a uh, like a ski lift. Like how a, like, right? Imagine how a ski lift would look. Exactly, and so you're sort of in the cart, and it's being drawn up from the top rather than mm-hmm. from rolling, rolling on the bottom. Yeah. Um, so they ride these carts. So they're in these carts, and Sid is sort of explaining the rules of this heist. And so, some of the rules are they can't make noise, they can't use the motors, they have to use, like, the hand pumps. You son um, of a bitch. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's that's also a good pull. Um, the other <laughs> thing I thought about was, like, the Italian job. Where um, they, like, steal things from from, like, the sewer by like blowing a hole in the road mm-hmm. um, and stealing like the the whole armored car, um, but yeah, it's the uh, it's the heist episode of Rick and Morty. <clears throat> so she's sort of explaining the rules of the heist, which is you can't make noise, we can't use the motors, we have to be super quiet because there's some sort of hive that's taken taken root under the city, and this is sort of the MacGuffin that they establish early on. There's this big, so they ride they ride the carts up to this big metal door. It looks like a seal, it almost looks like an airlock. And Wrecker opens the door, and the mine carts go through into this huge cavern that looks like it's covered in spider webs or hair. And as they're traveling through quietly, Wrecker accidentally drops his flashlight, and it bounces down into like a tunnel or like a hole in the floor of this cavern. It just keeps going. It's like one of those jokes where you like drop a rock and you wait for it to bounce and it never makes a noise it reminded me a lot of um in fellowship of the ring i think it's um is it pippin who knocks a skeleton over into the well and you can hear just slowly go and they're just like and he's you could just see the look on his face like oh shit (laughs) uh i think that is pippin we haven't i don't think we've referenced lord of the rings yet on this podcast but i'm glad we got to someone's playing nerd bingo out there and just got bingo (laughs) Oh, we've talked about Helm's Deep. 
almost immediately after Wrecker drops the flashlight, there is grumbling and loud animal noises, but nothing emerges, and the Bad Batch just keep going. Once again, they're they're hand pumping these carts, like like the old cartoons with like the railroad car with the with the um, handles on two sides of like a lever, and you pump both pump it and you sort of scoot along. Mm-hmm. So at the end, the Bad Batch get to the sort of the manhole or portal underneath Sid's bar. Sorry, Sid needs to signal catch the weak way in the bar to cause a distraction to get. Roland out of the bar because they're about to break into the bar and they need to make sure that he's not in the building when they do this. And so Ketch takes his tray of Mantel mix and spills some on the floor in sort of a trail so that the the lizard Ruby to follow the trail outside. Um, when she's outside, she is captured in a cage by the um, Ithorian Bolo. Mm-hmm. When Bolo captures her, she sort of screams. Ruby and Roland notices or hears the scream and notices that she's gone and they begin to search for the animal that leads them out of the bar and then catch signals Sid that the coast is clear. Yeah, it, I thought it weird that uh, these guys have been just they've been written as pretty much incompetent losers so that like that Sid would um, you know leave the, uh, such an important job to them. It was kind of like well, um, not very realistic but then you know Star Wars, they just got to let that sort of stuff go. Well, I mean, it, it doesn't pay off for her. No. We'll get there, but it absolutely doesn't pay off for her at all. And so she ends up eating eating this trust in a big, big way. Ketch signals the coast is clear. Sid tells the Bad Batch to go up the tunnel or go up the hatch to steal the crates of spice. And there are six large crates of spice in the office. And it just looks like cocaine. <laughs> but... <laughs> Just tons and tons of cocaine. Um, so the guards and Roland are outside looking for Ruby while this heist is happening. And Bolo drops the cage and Ruby escapes. Sorry, Roland and the guards give chase, recover Ruby, and capture both Bolo and Ketch. The capture sort of happens off screen, but it's it definitely happens. And Roland basically says, go, go get those guys. Back in the tunnel... Underneath the city, the Bad Batch are loading up the spice onto the carts. Roland goes back into his office, but the lock is scrambled because Echo um, disables the lock. So he does the Star Wars thing and shoots the mechanism and the thing slides open. They really need to get better locks in that universe. Uh, Roland realizes that he's been robbed of his spice and immediately figures out they came through the floor. Like, immediately. It's the first fucking place he looks. Yeah, it's like it's like he knew that that was there because there was because uh, they didn't show them like like you know like a heist thing they would you know like sneak back down but they'd make sure it looked just as trashed as it did before because when they opened it up there was a bunch of those like carpet and trash on it so it, you couldn't tell that there was anything there but he must have either known or they didn't do a very good job of uh, hiding their exit. Yeah, it's a bad MacGuffin because they're immediately given up. The guards go down the tunnel after them and they're barely in their cars moving away um when the guards get into other carts other mine carts and start following them but the guards are using their motors which is one of the things sid said not to do and there's and they start shooting with their blasters and sid's yelling no blasters they're obviously not caring about the noise in order to disable their mine carts they start ramming each other and so one of them 
I think it's Hunter slams on the brake, and then they rear end. They get rear-ended by one of the minecarts with the guards, and it falls off the gondola hook and plunges into the void. And then he, oh no, sorry, he he rear-ends one, and then he puts it in reverse, and then sends it back to hit the other one, and then they fall off into the void. But this is not quiet in the least. And Sid points out that all the noise from the fight might have woken up the hive. And suddenly thousands of flying pests fly up from these caverns in the floor and attack the carts and for some reason steal the crates of spice on the carts. (laughs) I don't know why they steal the carts. I don't know why they steal the crates. I don't know. I just thought that maybe they just got knocked off. Whatever. I didn't... Well, I'll, I'll get into these things later. I'll let you continue. Um, so the Bad Batch realizes that they're sensitive to light, and so they're using sort of their flashlights to repel them. This doesn't work great, but it works well enough. Eventually, they get back to the big door, and they seal the bugs, or whatever these things are, in the cave. But they leave all the spice behind, and Sid isn't happy about that, because um, obviously she wanted the, these drugs. Everybody else seems pretty okay leaving the spice behind. Yeah. All right. So um, back at Sid's place, uh, Roland is interrogating Ketch and Bolo. And, you know, as you expect from lackeys, they sell out Sid. Uh, Ketch and Bolo don't have enough information, though. The the Pikes do show up and they uh, they want the spice and they are not they're not thrilled. And they're pretty much just like, we don't care. This is your fault. You know, Roland tries to threaten them. It doesn't work. The Pikes pretty much threaten to kill his entire family if they don't get the spice to them. I, I really love this scene because it, it really puts Roland in his place as not the villain. He he is like the he's punching way above his weight. Obviously, he pulls the gun on the pikes, and the pikes are like, "I'll kill your family." <laughs> it's really it's really funny. Yeah, like a crime crime procedure. Yeah, he's yeah he's trying to uh, you know trying to make a name for himself, but he is not uh, he's not gangster material, or at least this this level yet say my name <laughs> you're goddamn right <laughs> sorry i'll stop I'll no it's stop, all right that's but... all right so <laughs> so roland um which by the way is a uh, yet another like kind of regular name that's been brought into the um the star wars universe there there was somebody oh in the uh, the rising storm there was somebody who had um it was like it was like a Dennis or yeah it was Dennis it was, it was like, actually Dennis yeah it was like okay Dennis is now a a uh, Star Wars name so that's cool so Sid and the Bad Batch return to the bar because they get a message from Bolo and Catch saying that it's safe all the guards are dead but Roland who's in cuffs and the Pikes are still there the Pikes ask Sid for the stolen spice but Sid tells them that she doesn't know what they're talking about the Pikes are about to kill them and Hunter is kind of like. Hey, well, they don't have it, but they know where it is. The head pike says that they'll keep Omega while the Bad Bash go gets it. And uh, as expected, all the Bad Bash draw their weapons and point at the pike, but he's not negotiating. Sid talks Sid talks down Hunter in the group, and they leave Omega with the, the pikes to go find the spice. As soon as it got to this part, I was just like, oh, you, what? No. This is... This required a huge level of suspension of disbelief, because... You haven't established that the Bad Batch fear anything more than harming Omega. Yeah. And here you're you're establishing, or you're trying to establish, that they actually fear the Pikes more than they fear harming Omega. 
Yeah, well, because and and I don't buy it. Yeah, I mean, Sid fears them, but they they have no reason to. I mean, they it's just three pikes. You know, they there's um they could easily kill all of them. You know, they they're not going to have the whole syndicate down on them all at once. You know, they could easily kill them, get Omega, even grab Sid if they have to, and then just escape. I couldn't imagine leaving like my little sister with some really sketchy people, especially if I was. Oh, you never of, you would never do it. Especially if I'm some sort of badass space commando, it furthers the plot along. So, again, you just gotta like do the old shrug and just like, all right, okay. The the issue that I had with it was it has like when you when you make a choice like this that has to have a plot consequence, right? And I guess we can talk about the consequence of her being captive with Roland for that period of time, but there has to be more than than that. Um, so I have a theory that I'll pose at the end about where I think Bad Batch is going um, and why this choice makes more sense than I think it makes in this moment in the show. But let's keep going. Yeah, okay. So as they leave, um, they find out that the uh, <clears throat> the animals in the tunnels are called uh, Erlings. Tech, is it Earlings or Erlings? Well, either way. Tech says that they're nocturnals, so that they need to do the mission before dark. Sid volunteers herself and Record to go into the hive and get the crates. So they take the uh, Havoc Marauder to uh, a cavern outside the city to look for the crates. Sid and Record rappel down into the cavern and look for the crates. The cavern is covered with kind of like a web. This kind of the hair material, this, this stuff we saw earlier. And they, f- they find the six crates uh, pretty quickly. And they use the wench to, uh, to get them up and Hunter takes them off. Um, do you know why they flew outside of the city to go to the cavern? I don't understand. I've been trying to figure out that, like, maybe somehow, like, they went outside of the city beforehand, or that the thing does a really big loop because you, because don't you see that big one before? You, you see that big kind of like, there's the the, the cavern is like um a, kind of like a a tr- uh, it's not a triangle, but it's like it's like a three pointed star, you know, in the ground. And you see that, like, I'm pretty sure you see it earlier in the episode. So then they have to go. I don't think. Go ahead. So they have to go back to it. I don't think they. I don't think they do a very good job establishing the geography of of this hive, because she says it's under the city. But when they go to this cavern, it's clearly out of the city. <laughs> yeah. E- even if even if they were there before, they don't show them going there before. I don't think. I only watched it twice, but it really bothered me. It was like. Like, oh, we left Omega with these drug dealers. Let's go find their stash that we stole to frame another drug dealer. Um, and then they get in their plane and fly away. I'm like, where the fuck are you going? Yeah. Right? Isn't it underneath? Isn't it basically underneath her bar? And and they fly out, fly out there, and then they set up this winch system. I'm like, what the, what is happening? Did I miss something? And since I watch it multiple times a day, the first time I watched it, I was like, okay, I guess I'll pay better attention next time to the setup because maybe I was reading something or my kid asked me a question and I looked away from the screen for a second and I missed that they had to like fly out to the this place to start their journey. But when I watched it the second time, it wasn't any clearer about why the hell they had to go so far out of the town to get to these crates and how they're all just like sitting there at the exact location that they chose. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm just, I'm nitpicking, but I found the thing confusing. Oh yeah, me too. I found, I found this geography very confusing. Yeah, there, there's a lot that was kind of confusing to me. 
I'll get to the second part. That's confusing to me. But um, back at the bar, Omega is uh, looking at a blaster. She and kind of she and Roland are, you know, in cuffs, and Roland's just like, uh, "Don't don't try for the blaster. You know, the pikes will will kill them." Roland lectures her about uh, always looking out for number one, and he says, "You take what you want." And he talks about his mother, and he's trying to make being a criminal sound more noble than it actually is. It's like he's in a therapy session talking about his like Freudian obsession with his mother. <laughs> he's, he's like, he's like, he's like, my mother never loved me as much as she loves stealing. <laughs> like, okay, okay, dude, this is why I can't masturbate with the lights on. <laughs> uh, okay. Anyways, Ruby comes over to Omega, and Roland says that that's rare. Omega reassures the, the animal that they're going to escape. Now, back to the cavern, they have four crates on the ship, and night is coming. This is like typical horror kind of movie sort of stuff. You know, Tech is working on something. You know, as they draw out the last two crates, they bump a mining cart, and it falls off the track down into tunnels. And this is like the that moment in Lord of the Rings where all of a sudden you hear all the orcs uh, and the trolls. This whole thing kind of reminded me of like, well, the repelling and like the, the, like the gross webbing stuff reminded me of the first alien movie. Yeah. Um, Good call. (laughs) I got, I got a lot of alien out of this and a lot of, and a little bit of Batman. Um, Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're right. Um, But also it reminded me of the first aftermath book where they're, they're going underneath their uh, the tunnels to get uh, these tunnels in Akiva to get to the uh, the governor's palace, and there's like an old battle droid factory, and then you know like it's like super unsafe, and eventually they get attacked by droids. Oh yeah, I remember that now. Yeah, and then, and it was like a snap was being really cagey with them, and not telling them what was going to happen, and then all the droids show up and start attacking them. Yeah, so they, uh, the earlings explode out of the hole, and Sid and Wrecker are overwhelmed. Wrecker's shooting them. He's getting splatted everywhere. And Tech throws a bomb into the hole, and there's a huge flash of light that drives the, drives them away. And Sid and Wrecker make it up to the ship with the last couple of crates. Now, the one thing I didn't really understand is that they didn't, you know, Sid seemed very scared of these things, but they didn't seem harmless. They just, it just seems like, you know, if, if you were to walk near, you know, like, um, you know, like a light when it's dark out and then there's just tons of moths and you're just like walking through and you're just like, ugh, get, ugh, get away, you know, they didn't seem bad. It's a good, it's a good observation that they didn't, they didn't establish that they were deadly in any way, right? Like they didn't, they, they could have like had them rip apart one of those um, guards mm-hmm. or, or done, or done one of those like, like video game deaths where you like right a right into like a swarm of um, flies and then a skeleton comes out the other end. Yeah, kind of yeah, kind of like um, piranhas or something. Or they could have just right. showed a showed showed a body of one of the guards and is just like stripped clean. So the Bad Batch deliver the spice to the Pikes and then the Pikes return Omega. I didn't really notice the second. No, the second time I watched it, the one of the pikes just shoves her. It's it's not just like okay, you can. It's just like get out of here. Rude. Yeah, and but they say you know they're not done with Roland. The pikes pull out a knife and goes to kill him. Sid says that they don't want to kill him because you know his mother is connected. And Omega appeals for Roland's life. 
Instead, the pike cuts off one of his horns and tells Roland not to cross him again. Do you think? Do you think their horns are like a like a secondary sexual? Or there's some sort like, of sensory organ. At least. You think they're sensory? Well, I don't. I mean, I mean, what are horns on a on animals? You've heard they're just they're basically protect. Basically, hair. They're basically hair. Mm-hmm. Right. They're they're a protective organ. They don't have any real sensation. Right. I I don't know. I mean, you've got like um, Zabrax. You know, um, they've got you know horns and like um we know we know that zabrak horns have feeling though because of what's her face cutting her horns yeah and if you grind them up you can get monster boners but, <laughs> but I, I i don't know but he seems to like he, he like feels it i was trying i was trying to figure out if this is like if this was like if someone cut off my toenail like trim my toenail or like cut off my testicle like, what is it? Like, what is this equivalent to? It seems like he doesn't care. It's probably, I think it'll probably grow back, but it's probably just a, just a reminder, a semi-permanent reminder not to screw with them. I, I don't know if they grow back or not, but it's just, you know, it's just a way to say to, you know, like, stay away, you know, or, mm-hmm. you know, we'll take Vizago, your head. Vizago and Rebels had uh, half a horn as well. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So maybe they're not like Hellboy and it's constantly growing back. So Omega asks if he's okay. He gets Ruby back and says that he's leaving. You know, Sid offers them alcohol as payment for the drug smuggling. That's true. You know, first rounds on her. Hunter asks Omega why she stood up for him. She says that since that Ruby liked him, he must be at least a little good. And when I when I think of this, I say like, didn't Hitler have a dog that he shot? Um, no, I'm sure... he he fed it poison to make sure that it was painless. Oh. But still, he killed... The coward. the coward killed himself using the poison he tested on his dog. Wait, I thought Hitler shot himself. Uh, he shot... Was it his wife? I thought Ava Braun poisoned herself, and he shot the dog and himself. I don't know. He's a piece of shit. I don't know their death scene that well. well I thought he, he poisoned I thought he poisoned the dog to test the poison, and then she took the poison, and he killed himself. But whatever. It doesn't okay. fucking matter. They, but the fact is that he had a dog that probably loved him, so... This is kind of like not, not a good not a good metric if you have like a little lizard that loves you. You're not doesn't make you a good person. But uh, I have a feeling that it's this is just more of just a a setup and saying that like well he's probably still there's probably still something decent about him. This is for me you know maybe this is what you're gonna wanted to talk about that this is just their way of saying that like Crosshair is not completely gone that they're gonna try to get him back. Wow, you pulled the theme out of that. Um, I agree with that. I think. I think it that scene is meant to sort of establish her natural empathy toward toward these people, and I think I think they do establish in through the episode that this Roland character is like the he wants to be a badass, but he's not. You know, he wants to be tough as nails, but he's really a joke. Mm-hmm. And that's why, with a gun to their head, the Pikes were like. I'm going to kill your family. You don't get, you don't understand what's happening right now because you're a child and I'm going to kill everybody you've ever known. So put the gun away and go get my drugs because you owe me drugs. I think, I think it's well established that this guy wants to be tough like his mom, but is not. And all I could think about too is the, the, the solo movie, they rip off the pikes. I mean, they, they start a huge slave, you know, like, Droid and Slave Rebellion, Han, uh, Lando, Kira. Um, I can't think of uh, 
Tobias, uh, um, what's his last name? Woody Harrelson's character. Yeah, well, Tobias is dead, so no, no, he's not. not. After him. Yeah, but, but 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 before then, when they you know actually go to Kessel, you know they all they're all criminals. They all know who the Pikes are, and they have no problem ripping them off whatsoever, and like having them know that it was them that ripped them off. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine with that sort of continuity issue because like who knows, right? Um, I'm fine with I'm fine with Roland being terrified of the Pikes and Han Solo not. Like also Han Solo's character in that movie is wildly reckless and so doesn't care. Yeah, I know. I mean, like Dryden Voss seemed to, you know, be, you know, like the only one who's kind of like, eh, no, you know, they convinced him that like he would be that there would be kind of a layer of ins- you know insulation between him and them, so they wouldn't know that it was actually him doing it. But I don't know. It just kind of goes to my whole like I didn't really buy the whole like the Pikes are so badass that they're just gonna leave Omega with them. Sure. Um, so I think I think this. Well, let's do. Let's have a little bit of structure. Um, what did you think of this episode? Just top, top line, top line thoughts. I didn't care for it. It was it was filler. What they could have, you know, what the the message that they're trying to get across, if if correct, it could have been done much better. You know, there was. I mean, there was some world building, but not really. Not enough that was interesting. You know. Let me let me let me ask you this because I I feared I feared you would say this, um, not feared, but I figured you would say that you didn't like it very much. Would you have liked it if it wasn't the third to last episode of the season? What if it was the second episode? What if it was like the second sit episode, which he's like, oh, we got to rip up this drug dealer. Um, m- maybe, but it didn't really. I don't. I wouldn't put it like much. I don't think I would rank it much higher. Because it really didn't do much of anything, you know. It didn't didn't feel like it moved anything forward, you know. Not for the Bad Batch, you know. You know, Omega is just she's an empathetic kid, but that's already been established. You know that she doesn't want to see people hurt, you know, and that, that she's kind of a naive kid. That that's this is like this is already known. This is we're not learning anything new. So I I really like this crit- criticism because when you're when you're telling a story over the course of like sixteen episodes. You want to sort of pick a category or categories and move that story forward. You want to learn something about like the origins of Omega or the fate of the Bad Batch or even more about Sid. What's her backstory? She worked with the Jedi. Why would she work with the Jedi? Mm-hmm. Or anything, right? This I don't I don't dislike this story. I think it's ultimately pointless in in like the grand scheme of things and i i really dislike the word filler in things but this is sort of the definition of a filler episode it doesn't it doesn't teach you anything about the characters it just gives them a problem to solve and and they solve it it's not like like i made the joke in the very beginning that they describe a much cooler mission where they're like in drop zones with gundarks and things, and they're they're like are like oh she owes us more money for that for that thing because we had to because there were like gundarks in our drop zone. I was like I want to see that episode. Yeah, it, it that makes you bring up a good point. It's like watching like uh, Scooby Doo as a kid, and you'd see all the the um the scenes from various Scooby Doo episodes, and you see like really cool ones, and then it's just like then the one you're watching is the one where they meet the Harlem Globetrotters or kiss or something. He's like I want the one with the weird 
monster that you know looks like a guy from you know an old timey submarine you know a old timey diver yeah. you know yeah <laughs> you know not uh you know not the harlem globetrotters yeah you don't you don't describe a better premise than the premise that you get and so apparently these guys are going on mission after mission after mission and they're these missions are like crazy but we're getting is like oh by the way my bar was stolen by a drug dealer we're gonna frame him that didn't work so now we're gonna have to go like pull these boxes of drugs out of this swarm that may or may not be dangerous but it's gonna be crazy we're also gonna like ransom off your sister in the meantime and we're all gonna feel bad about it but we're still gonna do it mm-hmm. and I'm, I, I don't want to get the impression that I hate this episode but it's one of these things where it's like, like really, like, like you have sixteen episodes and this is one of them. Yeah. Like maybe, maybe we'll get a season two. Maybe we won't. Uh, we don't know. Like we don't know if like they all die in the finale at this point because we have two. We have two. Sorry, three episodes left. We have War Mantle and then what I'm assuming is a two part finale mm-hmm. where they have to go fight Crosshair and like rescue him, probably. Yeah. But but the that's my prediction at least. But this episode is the definition of a filler episode. And like I said, I hate that term, but I can't think of a better term for it. I don't... I I consume basically all of Star Wars. I'm not huge into the video games, but I, I play them with my kids. But I consume everything. And so I know what bad Star Wars is. And this doesn't feel like bad Star Wars. It just feels like treading water. Yeah, that's a good... Sometimes when, I, when, sometimes when I'm in the pool, I tread water. But sometimes I'm like, throwing a ball for my kids or like having them right on my back. And sometimes I'm doing laps or jumping off the diving board. And sometimes I'm treading water. This is treading water. Mm -hmm. No, I totally agree. Oh, one thing. And I didn't notice this before, uh, like in earlier episodes, but um, the, um, oh shoot. What's the name of the species? The hammerhead? Ithorian. Ithorian, right. The, um, the Ithorian, he's like wearing like a, like a onesie. The the Kenner hand like hammerhead uh, toy from when I was a kid, he was just wearing like a blue onesie, you know, just like a almost like a singlet, like you would be, have for wrestling, except without like the the leg portion. Yeah, it was pretty. Um, so I, I'd noticed that before. We didn't flag it, but it was very obvious when he was running away from Roland's men that that the character design was based on the Kenner figure because mm-hmm. it's the exact same color of the Kenner figure. And I was actually, when I was watching it today, I was thinking about just taking like an old Kenner action figure and and adding sort of the voice modulator piece because because he's got like this collar on his long neck that translate his, translates his speech into basic mm-hmm. um, in real time. I think it's a very cool design. And dis- despite Bolo and Catch 100% selling sit out. I don't know what they were threatened with, but the way they presented it was that basically it was immediate, that no coercion necessary, basically. Yeah. Completely completely give her up. Even because of, even after that, I love these two characters. I love the fact that they're like Cliff and Norm in this bar for a real Perlman reference and that they just exist there. Mm -hmm. I think, I think it's perfect. And yeah, they're, they're a bad choice as, collaborators or is like an operation piece but they are a wonderful addition to this this universe and like 
like the Bad Batch in general. Yeah, I agree. All right, do you want to rank it? Yeah. When we rank these episodes, we pick a character from a Star Wars property that exemplifies how we feel about that episode. So, for example, if we love the episode, we pick a character that is integral to the plot or a main character in a property, um, something like a Luke Skywalker or Han Solo or Leia. Um, and if we dislike it, we pick a character from a property that has no point or a book we don't care about. Uh, my favorite example is the lugubrious moat, the flea on salacious crumb, or my quote from today, which is a sleaze bagano from the club in Attack of the Clones, who's trying to sell Obi Wan death sticks. Um, completely pointless character. You can probably write a comic about him, but there's no no reason to know more about this character at this point. So, with those criteria and those those examples, how would you characterize this episode as a character? Oh, I have one, but I'm not sure. I, I feel like I've used it before, but um, I'll just use him if you know if we have, then so be it. I'm gonna give it a, um, a Tivik. He's the guy that Cassian Andor just shoots in the back after getting what he wants. It's just um, kind of a throwaway character. I mean, he, he has some. Like value, and that just shows that kind of Cassian do bad things, but his character is unnecessary. Um, yeah, I don't think you've used that character before, and I think it's a great call. Uh, and I would, as a side note, I would love to go back to that setting. Can't remember the name. It was Rings of something. Uh, Ring of Kafreen. Yeah, there it is. Ring of Kafreen. I would love to go back to that setting because um, I think it's a. It felt sort of like a Marvel movie when they took us there at the first time, and they like put the like the little little placard in the corner telling us where we are. Mm-hmm. And it's such a weird setting, but I loved that scene, and and good call with the character. Cool, thanks. Uh, so what what about you? What do you rank this episode? So I thought the episode was entertaining. I thought it was fine, but I didn't really see the point to it, and so I wanted to sort of pick a character that was in a scene that I liked, but didn't really add to that scene that much. Um, and you wouldn't notice if they were gone. And so I'm going to go with Salacious Crumb. <laughs> okay. Eh, funny that I laughed. Um, hopefully not annoyingly. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Was that, that a drop or did you do that? I did that. Wow. I don't even think it's close. Um, it, was, it was annoying, but... so you got that. <laughs> That's my objective, is to annoy you. I, w- I, want, I want these episodes to just be annoying to you. No, I think I think Salacious Crumb is a good character, but he doesn't add that much, and you wouldn't notice if he wasn't there. Right, yeah. And he, he's there, he adds a little bit of flavor, a little bit of character to the scene, and it's like this episode, I don't know, maybe if I were... One, one of the ways I, I rate these episodes is whether or not I'd watch it again. I'm pretty sure if I never watch this episode again, I wouldn't miss anything. It's not like I'm going to watch this episode again and say, like, oh, this is what they're referencing. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not, like, I don't care about the resolution of, like, where Ruby ends up. <laughs> and unless unless they bring Roland back in another, in in some way in the future, this episode is meaningless. Yeah. And it, I do want to talk about that. Sorry, do you want to say something? Um, no, I, I was going to agree. Yeah, like the, 
I mean, I could see them possibly bringing him back, but they've kind of made him out to be worthless. So there's no way he could like help them. No, he's not part. He's not powerful enough, and and he's just not. Uh, he doesn't have the um, the horns for the j- the job. Definitely not now. Yeah. Um. So so one thing that I wanted to, to bring up as like a final discussion point. Let's assume for a moment that we get a season two. A bad batch. Are bad batch in season two soldiers, mercenaries, or just like full on in the crime scene? And and before you answer, right now they're sort of mercenaries pretending to be soldiers. That's that's my read on it. Mm-hmm. But I I think that the fact that we've spent so much time with bounty hunters, with um, crime lords, sort of walking them down this path to an episode where they're literally just delivering drugs to a drug dealer. Does this mean that if we keep going on this path with them, that they end up working for Jabba the Hutt as like assassins or some like terrible thing in the future? Like what, what is the terminal, like based on this current trajectory, what is their terminal job in this universe? I don't know. I would prefer that they, that they all like died and they come, you know, Omega turns out to be Ray's mom or something like that. Just, than to have them like, oh, they're part of the Rebel Alliance, but we never talked about them. Um, and I really don't like, I don't like the crime angle. I will, I'll say that I like the crime angle more than they end up somehow working for the Rebel Alliance. I would prefer them going to the crime side at this point. Yeah, I could, because I don't, I don't want every single soldier that ends up surviving or regretting Order sixty six or not activating Order sixty six end up working for the rebellion. I I want I would rather them be some mercenary someplace than 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 working for Bail Organa. Yeah, I could. Um, I'd much prefer them them to be mercenaries who do good and bad things, but you know maybe the good outweighs the the bad, and it you know serves a greater story. You know maybe they help the Rebel Alliance you know inadvertently, or they do something for the Empire inadvertently. Maybe somehow they get the the Empire off their back by doing something for them, or you know, they fake their deaths or something like that. And then season two, or from that point on, you know, they're not wearing the normal Bad Batch stuff. You know, they've got you know different different armor or whatever. You have you have to resolve their storyline, right? Mm-hmm. You have to you have to bring it to a conclusion somehow. You either have to show them a door that they can go through that gets them out of this cycle. Or you have to kill them, so they so they're no longer a threat or this thing that's out there that that can be re- reactivated by Hera, who now knows about them, or anybody else in the rebellion. You have to explain what happens to them, and I think this is like the gap in all of these stories. It's like you have to have a satisfactory ending. You can't have Hera's mother die off camera. You can't have Hunter die off camera. You can't mm-hmm. you can't do that to to us. We need closure. We need complete stories. Yeah, yeah. Poochie can't die on the way uh, back to his home planet. I, I don't know. I, 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 I'm definitely interested to see where it goes, but I, I I don't know. Hopefully, they just don't do the same thing over and over and over again. That they we see something a little different. I say that I say this as a fan of the of the series in general. Mm-hmm. I thoroughly love what we've been given so far. I just want there to be a resolution. Yeah. Um, so they, they either have to go like the Gregor route where they end up a fry cook someplace and it doesn't matter to them anymore. 
and Omega's there. I mean, the other the thing is, is they made Omega like the biggest MacGuffin ever. They have to resolve what happens to Omega, mm-hmm. and the, that resolution, I assume, isn't that Omega dies at the hands of the Kaminoans, and so she has to escape somehow. Yeah, end up on like farm, like yeah. She, you know, she meets uh she meets Boba Fett in a bar. But Boba Fett could be in the series, right? Boba Boba Fett. Like, Omega could show up in the Boba Fett series as his sister. Mm-hmm. Because, like, why not? Yeah, because, like how, like, how old do you think she is? She's, like, 10 or 12. Yeah. Right? She's, a, she's like, tween, you know? Yeah, like, they're probably almost around, like, around the same age. So, you know... They're within a year of each other, I would say. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, technically, she's probably older than the Bad Batch. Oh, for sure. Like, yeah. she, she technically is, right? Because she was probably an experiment, and... Or they were an experiment for sure to see if they could like change the formula, but she's like their backup plan, right? So they made they made all their backups and then they started messing with the program. So yeah, she's probably a little bit older than than the Bad Batch. Anyway, we we can probably talk about this forever. We need to yeah. draw draw to a close. Yeah, it's pretty late um, on your side, so. Yeah, um, I just I just wanted to. Like bottom line, I I'm not shitting on the series, I'm not shitting on the episode. I think it's I think it's okay. I just I want episodes that move the plot. Yeah. And by the by the plot I mean like the the plot of the show, meaning what is happening with Omega, what is happening with Bad Batch, what is happening with Camino, what is happening with Boba Fett, Fennec Shand, and Cad Bane, and all of these things, all of these pieces we put on the table. What's happening with fucking Hauser and like the Clone re- Rebellion? Mm-hmm. Um, next week we're gonna we're getting an episode called War Mantle. Maybe that episode is gonna tell us about the stormtroopers and the clones and how they work together and like how those programs are one sunsetting and one is like sunrising and how all of this works together. But right now this episode where they have to fight bugs that aren't really hurting them, it's like okay. It's there's not a whole lot of there there. And if you remember what my uh, quote was, but my my quote was uh, Snoke talking to uh, talking to Hux, just talking about how he's disappointed. Yeah, you what know, was the quote again? Like my disappointment in your performance cannot be overstated. <laughs> yeah, so that's because we see so you we, really you really really telegraphed in the beginning subtly. How you felt? Yeah, because um, you know we 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 know that what the uh, creative forces behind this show are capable of. So this was just kind of a it was kind of a bummer. But you know I'm still all in. I'm not. This wasn't like a terrible episode. Like like when I've had to like sit through like Power Rangers, you know, with my kids, and I'm just like, oh my god, this is this is the worst thing ever. You know, it was not terrible, but it was just you know I was expecting a lot more. Send all your hate to at Yubcast at Twitter. Um, on Twitter, I mo- I monitor that feed um, several times a day. So yeah, and uh, you know, like an- answer uh, the eternal question: Are uh, Deveronian horns part of their uh, uh, reproductive organs? Yeah, inquiring minds want to know: <laughs> Is it like your testicle or like your toenail? Yeah, because he didn't see- he didn't seem to care. Right. Right. I I guess if I were about to be killed, if someone that cut off like my pinky, I'd be like, all right, cool. Thanks for not killing me. Yeah. It's going to be pretty pissed, but he seemed pretty chill about it. So I'm thinking it's like a toenail. Mm-hmm. So we'll be back next week uh, with the 
episode 14 of the Bad Batch War Mantle. So until then, have a good week. Bye. Thank you for downloading and listening to this episode. We would also like to thank Jordan White for the use of his cover of Yub Nub as our intro and outro music. Please refer to the show notes for photos, clips, and links from this episode. Side effects from listening to Yubcast may include dizziness, dry mouth, a sense of confusion, and decreased sex drive. Serious side effects may include speaking in Ewok, speculating the origins of prequel characters, and wondering why two grown men discuss children's cartoons on the internet. For a complete list of side effects or to complain about the show, please visit us on Twitter at Yubcast or drop us an email at noochbaderproductions at